Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. You already know what it is. We are here live with yet another episode of the Dynasty Don. Today, we are going to do a 2023 Dynasty Startup Draft, show you how to dominate your startup draft. But before we get into anything, we got to drop that intro. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. Like, share, subscribe, download the app. You know it's free, and we keep it free up in here. So many great people over at Patreon help us do that. What's up? It's Psych Ward FF. Matt Ward back with you on another beautiful day for the Dynasty Dawn. Go back into the archives. We've been covering rookies for, I mean, basically since the Super Bowl ended. I've done deep dives on all the rookies through all the rounds with tiers and adjustments throughout the draft process and the NFL combine and combine results and covered a lot of their profiles in depth. You can go on the website and check out more of those articles that are coming out as well, covering those said profiles. But now, as we get closer and closer and closer to season start and as rookie drafts become a fixture in the fantasy football language and, and startup drafts as well become a fixture in the fantasy football community. I wanted to pit those rookie values against their veteran counterparts and do a combined startup draft. We're going to go through 10 rounds on sleeper. Always, as always, we look at at it through a super flex. That's two quarterback. Um, I mean, you, you could start whoever you want in super flex, but usually t- a two quarterback super flex league with a little bit of a bump to tight end premium PPR, of course, as well. Uh, we like the points, more points, the merrier. So that is the settings that we have. I'm going to be picking from sixth overall head out on YouTube. Please like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. But go on YouTube so that you can see my screen being shared and you can actually see the picks play out. I'm just going up against the good old sleeper AI today. I'm going to, which I know that sleeper in any mock draft um, platform that you use or platform that you play Dynasty on, obviously there's going to be some strange picks from that AI, but that really does mimic real life. And we're not going to go too deep into the sleepers where some of those picks get overlapped by positional need from the AI. Um, But we are going to go through the first 10 rounds and I'm sitting at pick six so we can kind of react to both ends. We don't have a time limit on this. We'll go through them pretty quickly, obviously sharing my picks, my strategies throughout it. We're not going to play with trades, but I will mention some tiers wherein you could assume a trade back or even a trade up at the you know top end of some more valuable tiers. Um, but before we get too far, I just wanted to talk about some of these rookies as well and, and kind of how they get valued in these startup drafts. You're going to see rookies be overvalued. Rookie fever is very much a real thing. And until people see them play on the field and and see how their actual career production and range of outcomes are going to play out is almost all of these rookies are assumed at their absolute ceiling of value or their ceiling of production. Now, obviously some value gains to be had um, should some later round outliers hit. But with that said, for the most part, everybody, nobody's thinking negatively about these rookies. Everybody is assuming that these guys are going to reach their top range of outcomes, even if they were selected in later rounds. So you're going to see in ADPs in these mock drafts, rookies probably be selected a little higher than they should. Um, But with that said, let's hop right into it. Let's get this draft started and and see where the AI takes us from the 1-1. 
I honestly think a shocker at 1-1. We got Justin Jefferson, even though I made sure to set it in super flex settings. And as you will see through the next four picks of why, <laughs> um, Patrick Mahomes, 1-2, no surprise there. Joe Burrow at 1-3, Josh Allen, 1-4, and Lamar Jackson at 1-5. I actually love that order. I think Burrow certainly a little too high. Um, maybe the AI is anticipating a T. Higgins stack at 2-10 there. I think Jefferson won one, even as much as I love Jefferson and in one quarterback leagues, regardless of format, whether it's standard PPR redraft dynasty, you're talking one quarterback leagues. Justin Jefferson is the one zero one. He is the flat out number one overall pick in one quarterback leagues. In my opinion, I think especially at one, one investing one, one in anyone other than Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen is a little bit foolhardy in super flex leagues. It's really difficult to build dominant dynasty rosters from a super flex perspective if you don't lock down an elite quarterback with your first two picks and now 212 there's absolutely a chance of someone i.e kyler murray falling or a Dak Prescott, maybe you could even go in a rookie direction at that 212 if you were to select Justin Jefferson at 1-1, but you're leaving yourself with very minimal options. You basically have to go quarterback with your next two picks, and that's almost always going to force a reach. With my first pick here, I think it's pretty obvious for me. Now, I obviously wanted the rushing upside, and I would have loved to have Lamar Jackson at 1-6. I kind of pitted myself here to do so. It's Jalen Hurts. You have to lock in Jalen Hurts. It should be higher than 1-6. Absolutely. The rushing upside, the passing upside, he's got it all. He's an MVP candidate. Jalen Hurts will be a fixture on your dynasty roster in Superflex Leagues as the number one overall player on your roster for years to come. After Jalen Hurts, we see Justin Herbert go at 1-7, Jamar Chase at the 1-8, Trevor Lawrence 1-9, Justin Fields 1-10. I think in that exact order is basically how you would see it. I think Herbert has a little bit of a higher market assumption than guys like Trevor Lawrence and even Joe. I would have Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, and Joe Burrow almost in a succinct tier. They are very pass-heavy quarterbacks that can reach elite upside. We're talking top six quarterback point per game upside with passing alone but don't present much rushing upside to go along with it <clears throat> excuse me and Herbert, for all intents and purposes, has proven it ahead of Trevor Lawrence, and obviously Joe Burrow has proven it ahead of Herbert, but I think their production, obviously, is, is so similar, and their career longevity is so similar that they should be more in a shared tier behind Jalen Hurt. Um, with that said, Justin Herbert ahead of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields certainly makes sense to me with Jamar Chase breaking that tier up. You're going to see Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb go at the 111. Um, with Bijan Robinson falling a little bit later than I've ever seen him uh, at the 2-2, and, and what I mean by ever seen him is for two years now, I've, I've played Devi leagues as well, and I've never seen Bijan go later than 112. Bijan Robinson has been the dynasty rb1 for the last two years that he's been in college and it continues to be that way on the market going christian mccaffrey 112 and amon ross st brown at the 2-1 did team 12 that's a little confusing to me you gotta kind of reach for a quarterback here or you're just gonna go dominantly win heavy and have to build around guys like aaron Rodgers and kirk cousins and hope to hit in later drafts once you actually do bottom out with my second pick here having jalen hurts locked up um Deshaun Watson, Anthony Richardson, Kyler Murray, Bryce Young, Dak Prescott, all falling in similar ADP. I like Kyler Murray here. And the reason that I also like Kyler Murray, it's it's an incredibly competitive um, build to go Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts back to back. But we are assuming that Kyler is going to miss some time. But I think Kyler, you can get a Kirk Cousins later. You can get an 
Jared Goff later to supplement those eight-week production. But Kyler Murray presents on the board here something that neither Dak Prescott, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, or Deshaun Watson necessarily Deshaun maybe, but certainly regressed last season. Um, Anthony Richardson, again, maybe, but have never seen it. Bryce Young, I don't think, possesses the combination of rushing upside, and Dak Prescott certainly doesn't possess possess QB one overall upside. Kyler Murray absolutely does. And he's never been anything but a top 12 QB. That kid needed no grace period whatsoever to enter the NFL. He was QB 12 in points per game as a rookie and then continued to get better being a top eight QB in his highest top six in the last three seasons. Kyler Murray is as good as it possibly gets when your name isn't Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts, who should be in a one 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 two one three tier of their own, in my opinion, as Superflex assets. Kyler Murray is in the Lamar Jackson tier. He's in the Justin Fields tier. He's in the Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow. He's in that tier. He's hurt, and people have discounted him for size his entire career. There's no need to do that. I will take 25 points per game every day of the week, and specifically twice on Sundays. You're going to see Kenneth Walker go kind of in this range. Yeah, he falls to 2-8 right after my Kyler Murray pick. Anthony Richardson, who, as we talked about on some of the rookie episodes previously, does have QB1 overall in his range of outcomes, but his floor is incredibly scary with being one of the worst collegiate passers to ever get drafted in NFL history. No, that is not hyperbole. Anthony Richardson is legitimately one of, if not the most inaccurate passer. There's only other comparison is Josh Rosen. The most inaccurate passer to ever get drafted in the drafted in the top 10 of the NFL. So his passing numbers and passing accuracy efficiency is absolutely horrendous, but he is also the most athletic quarterback that has ever been drafted in NFL history. After Anthony Richardson, you see Deshaun Watson, who has proven to have a QB five and upward ceiling, but had major regression after sitting out for two seasons, obviously with a lot of legal issues. He's going 210. Tyreek Hill, 211. That team two hilariously has Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey as their first three picks. Now, that would be the super stack if they were still in Kansas City, but team one going Garrett Wilson, having Justin Jefferson and Garrett Wilson. I, I mean, I absolutely love that on paper, but Dak Prescott has QB1 and probably some potentially weaker options coming back at QB3. Team one might be actually in a very good position. I might have spoken too quickly. If they land that QB at 3-1, I think there's very high potential that you could actually build a team with two top five dynasty wide receivers, both in value and production, and then get undervalued or middling or aging out quarterbacks that can supplement QB one production um, in your super flex spots. Me in my third round with after, um, Sorry, I'll go back. After Garrett Wilson at the 212, it was Dak Prescott at the 3-1. Travis Kelsey, as I mentioned, to Team 2 at 3-2. Jameer Gibbs, 3-3. And that makes Jameer Gibbs as the sixth overall running back taken. I think he should be taken ahead of Kenneth Walker, especially I don't think it's that hot of a take that Zach Charbonnet may very well be the most well-rounded running back on the Seahawks roster. And production-wise, it certainly seems like that. Look at their collegiate profiles. Zach Charbonnet improved receiving production every single season, um, becoming actually an above average receiver in his final year where Kenneth Walker did no such thing. Jameer Gibbs has one of the greatest Konami code profiles and being selected at 12th overall to the Detroit Lions is just incredible news for rounding out that profile. Jameer Gibbs should be valued as a top five dynasty running back. I think in the early or late second, early third rather is an excellent spot to snag Jameer Gibbs as your potential RB1 and 
future cornerstone at running back. Kyle Pitts going 3-5 as the tight end 2 off the board. I think that makes perfect sense. We're looking at a tight end premium setting here. You did see tight ends fall a little bit, but with the way that wide receivers are being valued on the market, I think Sleeper has adjusted to that ADP as well. You're going to see a lot of wide receivers pop off in that first and second round. Guys like Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb getting pushed up into the first, Amon Ra going 2-1. AJ Brown 2-3, Jalen Waddle 2-5, Tyreek Hill 2-11, Garrett Wilson 2-12. That's a lot of wide receivers to go in the first two rounds. After that is when guys are kind of starting to run out of high-profile wide receivers that they want to spend their top you know, three-round um, draft capital and startup on, and you're going to see running backs kind of fall into this spot. Now, you might consider it the running back dead zone, but for Dynasty, that doesn't exist as much. Yes, in redraft, that rounds 5-7, to seven, for running backs, that's absolutely the dead zone. But because of the volatility of the position and the career longevity, the shortness of the career shelf life of a running back, they just naturally are more devalued. So you're still going to get excellent production in later rounds. You're just going to see less and less managers be willing to truly build their teams around that volatile running back production. I think with me snagging Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, I'm kind of leaning towards that I may maintain competitiveness build if I'm going um, to get that later quarterback that can supplement Murray's production while he's on injured reserve or the physically unable to perform list to start the season. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud still sitting here is very interesting to me. That's essentially the one three one four of rookie value. Um, but then the question becomes, would you trade the one three or one four for guys like Stefan Diggs? T. Higgins, Travis Etienne, Cooper Cup, Chris Olave, and, and the list goes on a little further for some interesting prospects there. I don't know, considering that those positions are quarterback-based and how difficult they are to acquire in Superflex leagues, like, should Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud hit? Their value being selected in the middle of the third round where we're, we are here at 3-6 is asinine. Like, if Bryce Young has a top 15 season as a rookie, and that would very much project his second year sophomore season to be within the top 15 again and progressing, which would put him in as a top 12 quarterback in points per game, certainly locking him down as a top 12 quarterback in dynasty because of career longevity for the position. If that were to happen, and, and you can look at the board here, how we have Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Jackson, Hurts, Herbert, Lawrence, Fields, basically all in a row, you are not going to be able to get him in the third round ever again in his career, essentially. Like, that is just how difficult and how insulated the value of successful young quarterbacks are in Superflex Dynasty Leagues. Leaning three quarterbacks in a row is certainly a strategy I would not avoid. You're going to need bi-week production, especially if the NFL does extend to another game, which has been very common talks. There's going to be that second bi-week. Like, you're going to need a lot of bi-week production. I'm not going to lean that way, but I'm not mad at people if a guy like Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, falls this far where they've become now undervalued as you see their ADP is 23rd, which would be right at the end of the second round rather than the middle of the third. I'm not mad at you using that selection on a guy like Bryce Young, supplementing three quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, um, and Bryce Young to be a future cornerstone and trade piece. But for me, I'm leaning a little bit towards more of that win now build with Hurts and probably a later quarterback. So I think this is something that gets really overlooked in Dynasty. One of the easiest ways to do a win now build in Dynasty is to just use redraft rankings and then kind of adjust for age and, and player profile. 
So with that said, like Stefan Diggs would certainly be a top three to four wide receiver in redraft rankings. I think Stefan Diggs also still has at least two years of that production ahead of him. I would value him higher than T Higgins in a win now build. I would value him less than Chris Olave overall, but just by one position. I will mention that in my rankings that I would have Olave around wide receiver 11 and Stefan Diggs wide receiver 12 overall. I'm going to lean Stefan Diggs. I think he's going to have more points per game than Chris Olave and is going to really help cement and build the foundation of this win now build with Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. Dropping down with CJ Stroud, 3-7. Josh Jacobs go 3-8. Olave as I... Ion go 3-9, T. Higgins 3-10, Saquon Barkley 3-11, DK Metcalf 3-12. Bryce Young falls unnecessarily far despite his 23 overall ADP. Mark Andrews, again, unnecessarily far. I thought after Kyle Pitts that the AI certainly would have picked up the tight end premium nod a little stronger. Mark Andrews at 4-2 is absolute theft. Um, Drake London 4-3, Cooper Cup 4-4, Tua Tagovailoa at 4-5, and Javante Williams at 4-6. I think Javante this early is like, what are we expecting here? He's not coming back immediately and producing at a high level. You're still valuing him here essentially as a top 12 dynasty running back. If he does not come back and produce at a high level in this season, then you are then talking about a guy in 2024 that is four years into the league, will likely have a fifth year option declined and is now aging out before ever truly producing. I think it's important now that we're in round four to actually recap the entire draft. So I will. Justin Jefferson won one. Patrick Mahomes one, two, Joe Burrow immediately after. We see a little run of quarterbacks here with Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, and Justin Herbert all the way to one, eight, where Jamar Chase was selected. Trevor Lawrence goes one, nine, Justin Fields at the one, ten, CeeDee Lamb, one, eleven, Christian McCaffrey and Amon Ra St. Brown on the first turn. Bijan Robinson falls to the Dynasty RB2, according to the Sleeper AI, at two, two, AJ Brown, Jonathan Taylor, Jalen Waddle, and Reese Hall were the next four picks before my selection at 2-7, where I picked Kyler Murray. Not as concerned of the ACL injury in um, for his career longevity, rather. I do believe that Kyler will return as a top six producing point per game quarterback after this season. I'm okay waiting out the first six to eight games of the year with a potential later quarterback. Um, IEA Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins to supplement Kyler's production and locking up a top five quarterback in points per game at 25 years old is a, an absolute steal at 2-7 in my opinion. Kenneth Walker goes 2-8. Anthony Richardson 2-9. Um, team four selecting Josh Allen, Anthony Richardson back to back. Not a bad start there. Deshaun Watson, 210. Tyreek Hill, 211, going to the team that selected and was gifted Patrick Mahomes at 1 2. Garrett Wilson, 212, to the team that selected Justin Jefferson, 1 1, who then turned around and finally got their quarterback in Dak Prescott. Travis Kelsey goes 3 2. Jameer Gibbs, a little undervalued in my opinion, at 3 3. Austin Eckler, 3 4. That's great RB1 production, but you're going to have a short window. So that is leaning you towards a win now build should you go that way Kyle Pitts at the 3-5 Stefan Diggs 3-6 my selection for a win now build citing a redraft focused strategy as many of my smarter friends on Twitter have leaned into as of late to overwhelm the dynasty community um, CJ Stroud at 3-7 
Josh Jacobs, 3-8. Chris Olave, 3-9. Again, a little bit of an undervalued pick in my opinion. I think Chris Olave is much closer to Garrett Wilson than the market or this AI suggests. T. Higgins at 3-10. Saquon Barkley, 3-11. Going Bijan Robinson and Saquon Barkley back-to-back without selecting a quarterback at all as Team 11. DK Metcalf, 312. Bryce Young becomes Team 12's first quarterback selected after going Christian McCaffrey, Amon Ra, and DK Metcalf in their first three picks. Mark Andrews at 4-2, still Team 11 with no QB. Drake London, 4-3. Cooper Cup, 4-4. Tua Tagovailoa at 4-5. Javante Williams at 4-6, which I believe at any level, regardless of your build, is still a little bit too early. And now my selection is up at the 4-7. Knowing that we are now going win now, and we're going to go with a little bit of a redraft focus, I think there's a pretty obvious pick here from my perspective. If you are watching at home, you may be able to see who I'm referring to already. We have Jackson Smith and Jigba, Travis Etienne, Devontae Adams, and Devontae Smith rounding out the top four in Sleeper's ADP with TJ Hawkinson right there, Ramondre Stevenson, and DeAndre Swift. I think there is a player here that both meets my need for a wide receiver too, but also has more career longevity and has still yet to meet his ceiling um, of points per game. And that is Devonte Smith. I'm going to smash Devonte Smith here. I'm going to get wide receiver two production nearly guaranteed with wide receiver one weekly upside from a guy that is only three years into the, the league has a career arc of wide receiver one overall um, at several points in junctures throughout his career. I think Devontae Smith is a smash pick. You may lean Devontae Adams. I'm not as high on Devontae. I do think that production is going to start to come back a little bit. I do think that Jimmy Garoppolo is a downgrade at quarterback from Derek Carr. I lean Devontae over Jackson Smith and Jigba easily. And this is where you can see Jackson Smith and Jigba being at 38 overall and Devontae Smith being at 44 overall, where that rookie fever is getting a little hot. Devontae Smith has proven nothing but being an absolute stud at the NFL level, producing ahead of another alpha on several occasions and through in owning a target share ahead of AJ Brown for the last eight weeks of the 2022 season. I think Devonte Smith is the selection here and that's what we're going to do. After Devonte AI spit in my face, Jackson Smith, <laughs> what I think doesn't matter. Najee Harris goes four, nine Travis Etienne four, 10. Christian Watson, 4'11". TJ Hawkinson, 4'12". I think that's an excellent pick, especially leaning towards that tight end premium narrative. TJ Hawkinson was certainly somebody that I would have had at the top of my board with that Devontae Smith selection being the guy that I favored. Um, I think Hawkinson is kind of the last of the tier. Mark Andrews going way too late at 4'2", but in that fourth round, like after round four, in my opinion, you can get hot for Darren Waller and George Kittle, pause, if you want to, but they're really not guys that I want to invest this fifth, sixth, even I mean, yeah, seven, sure. Okay, I'll, I'll acquiesce there. But but the fifth and sixth, though, those top six starters, I'm not sure that I want Darren Waller or George Kittle to be one of them. So now with this build in mind, where I've gone with my two staple quarterbacks, Stefan Diggs and Devontae Smith, to round out my wide receiver room at, with wide receiver one production for two years, wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside for a decade. Um, I feel pretty good about the wide receivers here. I'm always going to lean wide receiver and go wide receiver heavy. In the middle of the fourth, we're looking at guys like Trey Lance, Quentin Johnson, Tony Pollard, Derek Henry, Michael Pittman, Jordan Addison, Jamison Williams, Damian Pierce are the players that top out um, Sleeper's current ADP. I'm going to stay pretty close to the vest. I'm going to look at some wide receivers. I'm going to think about 
probably leaning that Addison route, somebody that I'm very high on. I think Chris Godwin is very undervalued as well, but he might be able to fall back. This also isn't a bad time to think about attacking that running back position in a win-now build. You have guys like Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, even Dalvin Cook, who who should give you some decent, at least top 15 point per game production. But after that running back well dried out a little bit, and obviously I have cemented that I'm not going to spend uh, high capital on a quarterback, kind of wait for that veteran quarterback to supplement the Murray production. I think we have to we have to lean wide receiver again. And, and although Addison doesn't necessarily fit the immediate production, he's certainly going to be the wide receiver two in Minnesota. He's going to be the number two target earner behind um, Justin Jefferson, probably falling directly in line with the 20% target share that TJ Hawkinson currently owns and the one that Adam Thielen vacated. Um, no, we don't believe in vacated our targets, but I am saying that Jordan Addison is more than capable of earning the target share that Adam Thielen left behind. He's going to produce at a very high level throughout his career. I think certainly above wide receiver three numbers. I'm. It's going to be hard for me to pass on guys like, like Jordan Addison in this position, who I obviously, as many... Times, if I've said it, will continue to say I favor well ahead of Quentin Johnson in all formats. So I'm wide receiver three, going a little bit heavy. Important as well that in these and when you're for a win now, you should start looking to supplement future value in selection. So going wide receiver, kind of avoiding the running back position, getting guys a little bit later that will give you spike weeks and kind of filling your roster out with a bunch of RB2s and RB3s is a very positive way to churn assets into draft picks and keep a solid core of wide receivers and quarterbacks, which as we've seen over the past years as wide receivers get um, more valued on the market because of their career longevity are quite difficult to acquire. Um, you're looking at guys taking Justin Jefferson one, one, <laughs> but yeah, like I, it, it's not ever going to be easy to acquire stud wide receivers or acquire stud quarterbacks. Getting them in the draft is as cheap as you're ever going to get them. And because we don't have trades available to us right now against the AI, I feel pretty good about locking up at least one of these t- first round rookie wide receivers. We saw Michael Pittman and Tony Pollard go immediately after my Jordan Addison selection here. Quentin Johnson at 5'9", Trey Lance at 5'10". Um, we have Derek Henry at the 5'11", DJ Moore 5'12". Um, yeah, Jamison Williams. Yes, so many Jay Williams. Jamison Williams, the wide receiver of Detroit, go 6'1", Jerry Judy 6'2", George Kittle 6'3", Damian Pierce 6'4", Chris Godwin 6'5", Dallas Goddard 6'6". And this is kind of what I mean where I don't really feel super comfortable about this six and seven round tight end spot. Um, Kittle, Goddard, Waller probably about to go soon. We know that those guys are going to produce top 12 numbers, but we also know that the gap between 12 and Six is incredibly minimal, but the gap between six and one is massive. So if you're really not getting the elite asset in Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, um, obviously Hawkinson finishing with career best numbers last season, or, or at least the incredible value insulation that Kyle Pitts brings where he will never be valued anywhere below tight end three, regardless of how bad he fails in his career then I think it's okay to wait for that production. I like a guy like Greg Dulcich a little later, who is a younger tight end that produced at a very high level, who has great peripherals. Um, but with that said, let's get into this next pick. We're at 6-7 here. 6-7, my next pick with those wide receivers that we were looking at. We're going to look back at the running backs. We still have Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Rashad White, Cam Makers, Aaron Jones. 
QBs, you're looking at Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Kenny Pickett, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff before there's a pretty significant ADP drop off. And overall, it's Pickens, Flowers, Mixon, Traylon Burks, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins. This might be where I would think of taking a Kirk Cousins for that Kyler production. Um, it is still a little too rich for my blood when I see guys around that I really like. Obviously, I really like a Rashad White. I liked Rashad a lot last year. Hopefully, you tuned into some of those episodes. Go back into the archives. Check out the 2022 rookie rankings. We were very high on Rashad White as, as a long play, a guy that you could take in the middle of the second rounds, um, even early in the second rounds of your 2022 drafts that was going to play out after Fournette left. I think Rashad White is my favorite running back in this chunk of players in that, you know, late sixth um, round. You're looking at a guy that Tampa Bay didn't really add anybody. They have Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Rashad White is a very capable rusher. He's also a very capable receiver. Had a phenomenal receiving profile at Arizona State and in Juco. And is a great plus rusher with plus athleticism. He's not going to handle necessarily a 32 touch, but a 23 touch game per game uh, threshold is certainly capable for Rashad White and and a little bit maybe you know supplemented on some of those short yarded looks and some of those goal line looks but Rashad White for all intents and purposes is going to be the workhorse back in Tampa Bay um yeah 24 years old a little bit older for a a second year running back, but I would value him ahead of Zach Charbonnet straight up. I would value him closely to Dalvin cook, but we don't know what Dalvin cook's team scenario is like with Minnesota shopping him around JK Dobbins still looked like a completely different player after that knee injury and doesn't present much receiving upside. Joe Mixon as well, facing multiple suspensions and, and, and things of that nature. Unsure if he's even going to be a fixture in the high powered Cincinnati offense, Rashad white probably would be viewed as a little bit of a reach here, but my win now build, with my wide receiver room basically covered for multiple years with immediate wide receiver one production, wide receiver two production to follow with upside from Addison and Smith and value upside from both of them. I like Rashad White. You can call it a reach if you want, but I'm going to put Rashad White as my hero RB1 and probably fade the position a little bit out afterwards. There's the Kirk Cousins pick. He happened to go at 7-1, which was... Hopefully I was up oh, and there, my first snipe, the, the first AI snipe of the draft. That would have been my seventh round pick, obviously, as we had mentioned in the previous round breakdown. Let's so let's get there. Let's get there. We got Rashad White at six seven was my hero RB one. Let's let's build a little bit of insulation and hope he hits with his uh, three down workload in Tampa Bay. After my Rashad White selection, we saw team five go with Zay Flowers. Joe Mixon goes 6'9 after Zay Flowers. George Pickens, 6'10. J.K. Dobbins at the 6'11. Terry McLaurin slid up a little bit for the AI, jumping his ADP by quite a bit and going 6'12. I really like that selection. And actually, I'm going to go back and say that Team 1's AI has been phenomenal, even though I questioned their Justin Jefferson pick. Let me break down what Team 1 has done so far. Speaking of win-now builds, this is actually a very, very intriguing build. We have Justin Jefferson at 1-1, the most valuable skill player in that is is not a quarterback in all of dynasty Garrett Wilson at the 212, a top five valued wide receiver that just got Aaron Rodgers. They got Dak Prescott at three, one locked in bona fide top eight QB guaranteed top 10 QB point per game production. TJ Hawkinson at the 412, who broke out as the tight end two overall last season, actually gave up game changing points per game production. They went with Nick Chubb at RB, which would be their RB one at five, one made Terry McLaurin, their RB three, 
or wide receiver three rather at 612 who's probably going to give you top 20 production as will Garrett Wilson and Justin Jefferson and then rounds out with a guy that has never been anything but a top 12 quarterback in points per game despite continuously being valued outside of the top 16 and that is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has literally played only one season in the NFL as a starter where he was not top 12 in points per game. I'm like, I don't know why it's, it's incredible to me. Like I don't like Kirk cousins either, but I certainly like him as QB 18 value. Like I love him as QB 18 value because he's going to give me QB 12 points per game. He might be boring and I probably can't get QB 18 value in return for him either at any point and certainly declining the longer his career goes on. But that is an incredible strategy. I question team one, but being able to get Kirk Cousins at your QB2 at 7-1, a guy that will give you, stacked with Jefferson, will give you top 12 point per game threshold. That's an incredible build in a super flex league. Um, we saw Dalvin Cook go 7-2, certainly a drop-off. Obviously, that questionable, questionable roster scenario with Minnesota is giving him a rightful undervaluing. Traylon Burks, we saw go 7-3. Jahan Dotson, who I would absolutely value ahead of Traylon Burks and George Pickens for that matter. Um, go seven, four Jared Goff, which would have been my selection to fill in those Kyler Murray games, um, at seven, five. Now I feel a little bit more comfortable, um, with my hero running back position. I really like having a guy like, um, Rashad white, who I project having a three down workload, who also is young enough to have a little bit of a value boost on the market. Should that production come with the workload that I am predicting? I think that's that's a great pick for me. Um, again, consensus can bite dust. I love Richie White shoes. Uh, we're going to go back into the wide receiver well here, and it's going to be impossible for me to ignore two of my favorite players at the position from a dynasty perspective, from a PPR perspective. Two incredibly undervalued wide receivers. You're seeing both of them go outside of the top 20 wide receivers selected in all formats. Brandon, Brandon Ayuk, pardon me, and Marquise Hollywood Brown. The win now build, the Kyler Murray stack, it's impossible to avoid. You know I'm leaning into Hollywood, but make no mistake, Brandon Ayuk is an absolute stud of a receiver. The system has certainly held him back a little bit, but he's still produced alongside of it and despite of it. Brandon Ayuk is going to be around the NFL and catching footballs and being an elite receiver for a very long time. People can ignore that all they want, but eventually it will be too late. My win now build with the Kyler stack, I'm going to lean Marquise Brown. I know that DeAndre Hopkins is sticking around or supposedly sticking around. We'll see once the season actually starts, but the undervaluing of Marquise Brown is nothing short of ludicrous. Every single season, except for his rookie season, Every single season of his football career, that's including college when he played with C.D. Lamb and Mark Andrews on the same field where Kyler happened to be the quarterback as well. He's led his team in targets and receiving production when healthy. And he did so in Arizona when healthy. And obviously that team fell apart with Kyler getting injured and the entire offense crumbling and, and, and they have a bad roster. But Marquise Brown is not one of those bad players. Marquise Brown is a stud wide receiver that will put up a thousand yards on 90 catches game season after season. As long as he is healthy, he's still young enough to, he is by no means nearing an age cliff as a wide receiver at just 26 years old. I think Marquise Brown is the wide receiver one in Arizona. And I think people are ignoring it. So that's the solution. 
get you from Hollywood and the really going seven after my Hollywood round pick at seven. Will Levis eight ahead of Kenny Pickett, which I Kenny Pickett, although not exciting, is at least a proven NFL starter, whereas Will Levis is yet to be even that. Um, I think Daniel Jones should have been selected ahead of both of them, ahead of Jared Goff even, and that's why I'm so upset about that snipe. But here we are. Uh, Will Levis, Kenny Pickett goes 7-9. Zach Charbonnet, 7-10. Daniel Jones at the 7-11, which might be the steal of the draft for Team 11, who avoided a super flex quarterback position all the way until the seventh round and then got a guy that has QB one overall upside. I'm going to tell you, this AI is really starting to impress me. <laughs> Russell Wilson goes seven twelve. DeAndre Hopkins, who I said was the wide receiver two in Arizona behind Marquise Brown, <laughs> goes 8-1. Cam Akers at 8-2, Miles Sanders 8-3, Brandon Ayuk, who I would have definitely smashed if he fell back to me in the eighth round, goes 8-4. Dalton Kincaid 8-5 for the first tight end for Team 8. Um, I don't love rookie tight ends, but obviously Dynasty Dalton Kincaid going this far makes sense, and he's certainly going to be valued there. I don't think that's a, that that is necessarily a reach. It's just not a pick that I would go in the direction of. I'm at 8-7, and are we thinking about tight end yet? Are we thinking about the Darren Waller selection? We could go Pat Fryermouth as well, who's going to give us... You know what? We're going to go Pat Fryermouth. Pat Fryermouth has fallen this far. It is a tight end premium league. Patty is by no means... An overly exciting pick, but he has played in the NFL for just two seasons and has produced at a an elite level for a first and second year tight end has crossed and checked off every single box in terms of production and analytics that you'd like to see from first and second year wide receivers. Because allow me to remind you that only three tight ends in NFL history have ever had more than 660 yards in their rookie season. And Pat Fryermouth was close to that. It obviously didn't quite get there, but Pat Fryermouth is going to continue to Bruce at a very high level um, for his entire NFL career, I believe. Now I'm going to scroll down these ADPs just to make sure I'm not missing anybody. We have Aaron Jones still available, Isaiah Pacheco, Alvin Kamara, Devonna Kane, James Cook, Kendra Miller, Tyler Algier, Brian Robinson for running backs. We have Christian Kirk, Deontay Johnson, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Mike Evans, Jonathan Mingo, Josh Downs available for wide receiver, Pat Fryermouth, Michael Meyer, Dalton Schultz, Darren Waller, Cole Komet, David Njoku, Evan Ingram, and Greg Dulcich available at tight end. And you know what? With that said, with guys like Greg Dulcich and Evan Ingram, David Njoku, even Waller at, at valued at 114, I am going to fade that tight end spot a little longer. I'm going to dip back into this wide receiver well. We have some great win now options at wide receivers, guys that can flex right in. Um, now that we've had on this particular build, we've had our wide receiver one, two, and three built out um, from a 11 starter startup we are going to dip back into that wide receiver well and get some wide receiver one production in our flex spot i think from a dynasty perspective keenan allen mike williams mike evans excellent redraft picks in this spot and i love the 2023 production that you're probably looking at from a redraft perspective but i do want a little bit more value insulation attached to that um rashad bateman kind of yet to prove it Christian Kirk potentially um, becoming a tertiary receiving option with Calvin Ridley coming into town as well. 
I'm going to go Deontay Johnson. And I think it needs to be said here. Deontay Johnson is one of the most elite target earners in the NFL today. And historically in history, he's done it at such a consistent basis. He is an elite separator at all three levels. Kenny Pickett is a struggling and developing quarterback, but still peppered Deontay Johnson with targets because of how wide open that guy is at all times. Deontay is going to, and if there is anything that I would bet on in the NFL season, it is that Deontay Johnson is going to guaranteed positively regress in the touchdown department. He will have more touchdowns in 2023 than he had in 2022. Deontay is an elite target earner. He's an elite PPR asset. He is being incredibly undervalued for what is obviously a justifiable reason in a down season. But man, I'm looking at a guy that can produce wide receiver one numbers, is the wide receiver one on his team, is guaranteed at least 110 targets with a target share around 25, upwards of 30%, produces at an yard per target or yard per reception base obviously saw his yard per target number decrease incredibly with the inefficiencies of Kenny Pickett, but he should be developing in a second season. Should Kenny Pickett? I like Deontay Johnson here. It's way too cheap of a cost to get a wide receiver one upside in a flex position. Deontay Johnson. That's my selection. We're starting to out this draft. We're towards the dog, the, the last rounds ninth um, after the wrapped out the going Christian. I I did really like in that spot. I would have taken him eight seven, but I, I I lean for the true wide receiver one or the true number one receiver in Pittsburgh, in Deontay Johnson. Uh, we had his Isaiah Pacheco going eight ten, James Cook going eight eleven, Keenan Allen eight twelve, Alvin Kamara nine one, Aaron Jones nine two, Devin Akane nine three, David Montgomery nine four, and this really is that like we're just going to start drafting running backs. I mean, these guys are in the NFL, and a lot of them are starters, so. You're going to see them undervalued because of their age. Obviously, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, David Montgomery, they are reaching that dreaded age cliff where they will no longer produce very soon and very swiftly. With that said, this late in your startup drafts, you're going to see a lot of those guys go in this spot. And I'm not mad at their value here. You're going to get points per deduction um, and points per game above the pick selection, but you are never going to get market return value above the production that they give you. Meaning it doesn't matter really. Aaron Jones could be the RB one overall in 2023. He could have the most points per game of any running back in 2023. You will not be able to get a market value top six running back for him in a trade. You just won't. It, it doesn't matter. He's, he's, too old towards his career he's shown some regression in some spots while maintaining great efficiency but that's just how the market works so you're going to see these guys fall in that you know eight round ninth round and they're going to start going quickly and if you're looking again like the the strategy that i played into and kind of mentioned with deontay johnson if you're looking in that direction where you're in a win now build You've got your quarterback locked in where you don't need to, to reach for that quarterback. You've got two to three wide receivers locked in that are looking like bona fide, guaranteed, not top 36, but top 24 point per game producers. And you're look, filling that flex spot. It It's not a bad idea. I mean, I mean, you can get a top 15 running back point per game, which is going to give you more than, say, a Dalton Schultz, a, a say, a. Christian Kirk, potentially, um, they will probably outproduce the players like that at, from a points per game basis. So you just have to be comfortable with the fact that you'll never get the return. Those guys will die on your roster. Those points will die on your roster. You'll have to drop them for nothing or trade them for fourths and thirds, but they can help you win leagues in a win now build. 
one of the things that, you know, you obviously the most popular way to accrue value is trading back, is, is drafting young, is hitting on all of your rookies. And, and that's going to build true dynasties. But everybody's trying to do that. Everybody wants the youngest players. Everybody's going to reach for value. People are going to get rookie fever. So building a win now build in year one without trading away picks, without trading away future value, just taking the production that falls and accepting that once you lose those players, the value of the picks that you did not trade away will now lead to you having successful rookie drafts and higher rookie picks as your team naturally bottoms out. If you're comfortable with that, then by all means, and don't hesitate to select these running backs and these aging players this far in. I, I think it's an excellent strategy, and it's certainly an overlooked one. People get enamored and obsessed with having the most valuable roster rather than having a winning, a truly winning roster. Having a winning roster doesn't necessarily mean the most value, but the most valuable thing in fantasy is winning. And, and that gets overlooked a lot in Dynasty. I'm going to select Derek Carr as I go on that rant because I'm a huge Saints fan and I need for Kyler. Simple as that. <laughs> Simple as that. I, I need my QB two with Kyler probably ending up on my injured reserve to start up the season. Although I obviously do project Kyler to give me top five points per game as a quarterback. I will need someone to play the QB two spot until he is removed from IR and, and obviously gets back to speed as well. I I'm okay with Kyler regressing a little bit as a rusher because he is that good of a passer. And if you don't believe me, look up the Brodo fantasy stats, Derek Carr, nine, six, I need the I need the position to be filled. I need a plug and play QB2. Derek Carr is going to give me top 16 point per game quarterback numbers. And I'm a Saints fan. Fantasy is supposed to be fun. Any more explanation needed? I think not. <laughs> Kendra Miller at 9-7. Tyler Algier, 9-8. Now, I think I wish Tyler Algier kind of went 8-2. Um, to the team at 111 that landed Bijan 2-2. And the reason that I say that is for me, there is Tank Bigsby to, to Travis Etienne is one of them. Um, you could say, I guess, you know, a, a good example would have been a Tony Pollard to a Ezekiel Elliott in, in previous years. Um, but there are very few high upside handcuffs that also possess youth and a proven track record of either elite collegiate production, i.e. the Tank Bigsby I mentioned, or very good NFL production. Like Tyler Algier rushed for 4.9 yards per carry and had over a thousand yards as a rookie. And he wasn't even the starter. Like he wasn't even the starting running back. So he can produce in an Arthur Smith offense that wants to run the ball 45 times a game. And they're going to need multiple running backs in an offense that wants to run the ball 45 times a game. If you're drafting Bijan Robinson, and I know that there is a strategy to not rostering your own handcuffs, but a plug and play guy like Tyler Algier that is guaranteed 30 touches a game should anything happen to poor Bijan is honestly way overlooked, way overlooked in startups and way overlooked as an asset in Dynasty. Now, Tyler Algier obviously is not going to be a standalone guy that you're going to have in your flex like a Tony Pollard when Zeke was held, you know, still on the roster. Like you could flex Tony Pollard every single week, even though Zeke was the starter. Tyler Algier is necessarily not going to have that level of upside, but he has handcuff upside like almost no other handcuff. And that is just a guaranteed unquestioned path to insane volume should anything happen to the starter after Tyler Algier at 9-8 you see Michael Meyer go 9-9 
I think that's a fair spot for Michael Meyer. He should be valued past guys like Pat Fryermouth and Dalton Kincaid. And as you will see in rookie drafts as well, that's a fair spot. Mike Williams, 910. Geno Smith, 911, who had an incredible career rejuvenation. For Team 11 to land Daniel Jones and Geno Smith, I mean, I kind of actually really like that build. Those are two guys that are going to give you top 15 numbers likely. Um, I don't see Geno Smith necessarily regressing now that they've added more receivers and improved the O-line and have a great pass blocking running back in Zach Charbonnet, an incredible slot receiver in Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't see Geno Smith necessarily regressing as long as that offense continues to click and stays healthy. Rashad Bateman at 9-12. Cole Komet at 10-1, which is a pick I absolutely hate. I'm sorry, Mike. I'll finally admit it. I'll finally admit it, Mike. You win. Cole Komet is a bust. Mike Evans at 10-2. Brian Robinson, 10-3, no need for that selection. <laughs> Jonathan Mingo, 10-4, no need for that selection. Marvin Mims, 10-5, I like Mims. I like Mims ahead of Mingo. Um, Mims is actually probably my first. No, I, Josh Downs. Uh, Josh Downs would be my first non-first-round wide receiver off the board, even though he went obviously past Mims in the NFL draft. I would have Josh Downs as the first wide receiver in rookie drafts that you should select, or startups for that matter, um, that isn't. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson, who, of course, all got selected in the first round of the real-life NFL draft. But Marvin Mims is in the same breath as Josh Downs for me. I'm not a fan of Jonathan Mingo. I'm not a fan of guys like Jaden Reed, Rasheed Rice. These aren't guys that I'm looking to invest into. Um, With that said, we obviously have Josh Downs still available. Josh Downs actually rides out the top of the ADP. But this is my last pick. This is our last pick in our our 10 round dynasty superflex startup where we are building a dominating team and, and teaching you guys how to dominate your drafts. And, and one of those things that we've been driving home is, is kind of build with a redraft mindset. If you want to dominate year one and year two, build with a redraft mindset and, and adjust for um, youth value. It, it is quite simple and it's also incredibly overlooked. Um, you want to build to trade back as well as obviously we didn't highlight in, in a draft that we didn't allow trades in, in this particular mock, but, but you build, build the trade back, trade back on every single tier that you can. If you see six guys in a tier and you value them the same trade back five picks and add a second. Every single time, do it every single time that you can. That is how you accrue incredible value in a dynasty startup. But build to win now. You can build to win now and also build to accrue value. It is not impossible. The trick to that is not being afraid to draft players that simply produce. Like, how long has guys like Stefan Diggs been valued outside of the top 10 wide receivers in, in dynasty. We're talking about a roughly two to three seasons now. And for two more seasons, he's probably going to produce inside of the top 12 points per game of wide receivers in dynasty, but you can get him in the third and fourth rounds. So like, don't be afraid just because these guys are 28, 29 years old, they're going to produce. You're not going to get the same return on the market. Should they hit like a younger guy that people are reaching for. But while people wait for production and wait for value to increase, you're going to be collecting championships. So with our last pick, and you may call it a positional need, a positional grab here, and and certainly it is one, but I love Darren Waller on the Giants. Giants do have wide receiver Waller. Our, Our tight end position and our team looks... I mean, I kind of like it, but the Giants do not have a wide receiver one. I think Darren Waller is going to have 
a little bit of a career resurgence as he saw some regression over the past two seasons due to injury and, and some um, coaching changes and just some decline in the Raiders offense in general. I like Darren Waller a lot on the Giants. I love him as a tight end one in Dynasty. I still think you're looking at two to three seasons of Darren Waller overproducing his current cost and current value, obviously increasing that value into next season should he produce that way as I am predicting. You see Rasheed Rice go 10-8, a player that I was just saying I would not select in this area ahead of Josh Downs. The AI ignores that. Again, with Team 5 just hating on my opinions. But <laughs> James Conner goes 10-9. David Njoku at 10-10. Josh Downs at 10-11. There's some value. And Gabe Davis 10-12. So we're not going to go through every team and every pick, but I will wrap up my team at 1-6 as we've reacted to both sides of the draft and both turns with every selection. I went with Jalen Hurts at 1-6. Kyler Murray, 2-7. Stefan Diggs, 3-6. Devontae Smith, 4-7. Jordan Addison, 5-6. Rashad White, my hero RB in a hero RB win now build at 6-7. Marquise Brown, who I just couldn't avoid my, my favorite, one of my favorite players here at 7-6. At Deontay Johnson at 8-7. Again, a homer pick with Derek Carr at 9-6. And Darren Waller at 10-7. But when you really look at that team top to bottom, I have the QB1 overall from 2022 that I selected at 1-6. I have a player that has never been anything outside of a top five producing quarterback in points per game aside from his rookie season at 2-7. Although he is injured, that is an incredible discount. You would never see Kyler Murray go outside outside of the first round unless that injury was attached. I'm willing to take that discount because I supplemented it in later rounds. I've got Stefan Diggs who finishes the wide receiver four overall in points per game and or wide receiver, yeah, overall and in points per game last season in PPR formats at the 3-6. He will continue to do so with Josh Allen at the helm and nobody in Buffalo other than the influx of Dalton Kincaid as a little bit of youth at the tight end position and playing a little bit of the big body slot. But Stefan Diggs is again staring down the pipeline of a 32% target share season with increasing numbers as he has done every single season in Buffalo. Devontae Smith at 4-7, produced as a top 16 wide receiver in points per game, is still only in his third season in the NFL, is right in that career arc of producing even higher than his first two seasons, as all of his peripheral analytics say that he should. Devontae will continue to accrue value and production throughout his career, probably rounding right around a low-end wide receiver one in points per game. So grabbing him at wide receiver two, I'm absolutely ecstatic with Jordan Addison at the wide receiver three spot. My five, six Addison will likely not produce above Marquise Brown or Deontay Johnson, if I'm being honest in his rookie season, but his value increase will be past arguably everybody, every other wide receiver on my roster. Should he hit in the way that we think Jordan Addison, a Belitnikoff award winning wide receiver selected in the first round to a team that has the greatest route running technician that the NFL has arguably ever seen. in Justin Jefferson, who will teach him the ways of success with an established quarterback and an established pass happy offense. I absolutely love Jordan Addison. He's the wide receiver two there. He takes over for Thielen. He's ahead of KJ Osborne already. He only has TJ Hawkinson in it other than Jefferson, obviously, but TJ Hawkinson to compete for targets with. And uh, I mean, Addison's a great player at the, in the fifth round when you're seeing guys like Samuel Adams, Pittman Johnson go in that same area. Rashad white becomes my hero RB Rashad white. We are expecting as 
Tampa Bay has basically laid down in a very weak NFC South with Baker Mayfield as their quarterback, bringing in no running backs, bringing in no wide receiver help, not really addressing or adjust um, adjusting anything other than, you know, some depth positions during the draft. And, and as they've wasted some capital on some trades, you can understand why. But Rashad White, obviously the de facto RB1 in Tampa Bay. Sean Tucker did get added in um restricted free agency or rather he was an undrafted free agent pardon me but i think rashad white is a better running back a better well-rounded running back and more nfl ready than sean tucker and as his health concerns surround we are not sure if sean tucker will even be able to be cleared to play in the nfl marquise brown at the seven six a player that has dominated target shares throughout every season of his football career and has produced at an incredibly high level was wide receiver six in points per game before getting injured last season and i believe he will continue to reach new heights and become and continue to be one of the best receivers in the nfc um one of the best big play threats and somebody that has vastly improved his efficiency um throughout his career and will round out um as one of the the better selections, I think, uh, past round six. Deontay Johnson at 8-7. Again, a guy that is going to positively regress. We know that touchdowns are not sticky from year to year. Deontay will have more touchdowns than he had in 2022. You're talking about putting a guy in your flex spot that has wide receiver one upside. I love the selection of Deontay Johnson. We don't need to reach for running backs here, although I did mention as we round into that round nine that when you're building a win-now build, it makes sense. You just have to be able to accept the fact that you are never going to get the return on investment for that player. Needing a QB2 to supplement some of that Kyler production, I got a pretty good one in my opinion. Somebody that I think will have a little bit of a career resurgence in New Orleans and has always produced um, above average numbers and has been a you know, low ceiling, but, but high floor, so to speak, kind of quarterback and super flex leagues. No, not exciting, but, but certainly not risky either. Um, in David Carr, I'm pretty happy with that pick, um, to, to fill in just for eight weeks and then potentially, you know, quarterbacks obviously being one of the most liquid assets in super flex leagues. There's a great potential to just package Derek Carr with, with a minimal upgrade uh, for a minimal upgrade rather. And then rounding it out, Darren Waller as my tight end one kind of going for a positional need there, but also falling in with ADP and going with a win. Now guy, a guy that again, I mentioned, I wasn't comfortable drafting these guys in the sixth, seventh, eighth, but as you get further and further down those drafts and those tight ends fall, that's where there's really is some value. The guys like David Njoku, Darren Waller, um, even Greg Dulcich, as we, as we had mentioned, I, I think some excellent value. And there we go. I mean, that's it, folks. We're, we're close right around an hour. I, I think we killed that. I think we killed it together. Appreciate all of you coming in, tuning in. Please head over to patreon.com slash fantasy consider donating and signing up to the patreon for as little as three dollars a month you get access to doing drafts like this live with the brodo crew you can do leagues with the crew obviously all of the extras and incredible in-season stuff like Cass's dfs optimizer um extra articles extra waiver rankings extra podcasts we're always doing amazing things in the Discord too, which of course the Patreon gives you access to. Always talking about betting, always talking about dynasty trades and, and how to grow and, and continue to build incredible dynasty teams. We got NBA playoffs, MLB, NBA, or NHL all popping off um, in the betting Discord over at Broto Fantasy as well. Follow us on Twitter at Broto Fantasy. Download the app. It is free still. 
everywhere because of all the amazing people that I just mentioned. And you can find those amazing people and several others on Twitter at BrotoFFJason, at BrotoFFCasanova, at BrotoFFMike, at BrotoFFTim. I am at PsychWardFF. Much love, much respect. Until next time.